are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is sponsored by True North Arrows. True North Arrows has developed the archery industry's best environmentally safe products to stain, crown dip, crest, and clear finish your wood, carbon, and aluminum arrows. Their products are industrial and exterior grade to give you the toughest finish on the market, plus the true waterborne technology will give you professional results without the odors of solvent-based products of yesteryear. For cresting, True North has classic as well as vintage colors available in cresting paints and crown dip, and there's even metallic cresting paint available for those who really want to set their arrows apart from the crowd. And if you're a carbon arrow shooter, then check out their carbon cleaner. And there's also a carbon primer available to make your carbon and aluminum arrows resemble wood shafts. Now, I used to build a lot of custom arrows, and I've known Joe Callahan at True North for many years. His products for custom arrows are second to none. So be sure to check out his website. And while you're there, also look for the free how-to videos that Joe has made available there. Lastly, if you're not an era builder yourself, that's okay too, because Joe even sells fully built custom eras as well. So just head over to www.truenortharrows.com and have a look for yourself. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. I tell you what, I'm I'm about as excited as I can be tonight because we're we've been Nick and I've been talking about doing this and and just haven't been able to get around to it, but. We got the we, we got the full three amigos on the show tonight. How's it going, Nick and Tom? <laughs> it's going good, man. And uh, I didn't think this was ever going to happen. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. <laughs> I, I was starting to wonder if it was ever going to happen while there was a recorder present. <laughs> well, I'll tell you with the with the with the schedules the three of us have, it, it it's amazing we've actually been able to do it this quick in in, in some respects. Well, well, we're episode what we we said we were going to do it episode one, <laughs> and it's episode what is it thirty thirty one or whatever this is. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah I really, think it'll be I think it'll be <laughs> thirty one. Um, yeah, so it only took it only took that long. <laughs> so Nick, I know uh I know you your your Michigan season's finally open. I don't I don't think you've gotten out but maybe once and and got rained out that day, didn't you? Well, I I hunted all last weekend. Um I, I put in quite a bit of time in the woods, but yeah, it rained. It it's still raining. It's been raining on and off annoyingly since pretty much I don't know like the the 4th or something like that. Um, but yeah, I went out Friday, Saturday, um, some Sunday and I didn't, yeah, it it just, it's been just raining on and off and warm. It's been getting warm and cold and warm and cold and, and, uh, the woods is just sopping wet and not that I'm complaining. I've had fun. I mean, I've had, I've had saw some pretty cool stuff so far, but it's, uh, not really any deer yet. And, um, it's, I'm just, I don't know, tired of getting wet and, and stuff like that so it, it's you know it's your typical michigan october though i mean early season michigan is just wet and rainy that's what it's been for the last like four or five years for me so well we're I'm, actually, I'm used to it we've actually got a our first cold front coming through topped with a, a hurricane that that hit florida that's coming up through so hoping that's going to get itself blown out in the next couple of days and, and actually have a, a decent weekend myself coming up. Cause it's just been, it's just been brutally hot. I mean, it, just miserable. Um, but that hadn't stopped me from getting out. And I know Tom has, has just gotten back from a hunt. So 
I, I, instead of sitting here and rambling through all this, I, I really what I thought for uh, our first chance to get all three of us together, Nick, I'm going I'm to kind of put you in the driver's seat a little bit and let you just kind of pop some questions out to Tom because we've, we've had our, our Wyoming hunt. We really haven't – we talked about our gear, but we really haven't talked about the hunt itself. Um, I've, I've actually been, you know, in deer season now for – or deer and bear for a month. Um, Tom, you just got back from a, a bear hunt up in the UP. So we, we definitely got stuff to talk about. We got moose and, and, and elk and mule deer and deer and bears and pigs. Oh my, we, we got a little bit of everything to talk about. So, uh, you know, let's just, let's jump in and, and have some fun with it. Yeah. You guys have been busy. You guys have been all over the place. I've been jealous. You know, you guys have been, uh, I mean, especially with the Wyoming thing, and I know how long you guys planned for it and everything, and you originally invited me to go, and I couldn't. I'm just not that, not in that situation with my family yet, and, you know, I really, uh, really missed being there with you guys. But, uh, but I, yeah, I do have some questions for you guys. For starters, I mean, you guys kind of brought me into it, but wh- why, why Wyoming? Why'd you pick, why'd you pick Wyoming? How'd that all happen? Why'd you pick Wyoming, <laughs> Uh, well, you know, for this year, it was simply, I think a matter of we, Tom and I hunted, uh, Wyoming in 2016 for antelope. We spent, uh, a full day, a little over a day, just riding through, uh, Wyoming and Montana and, and the Dakotas. And, uh, I think we just really had a desire to go back. We spent pretty much a full day in the Bighorn mountains and, and really just kind of fell in love with it. So, uh, we've been really talking about going back and hunting uh, mule deer there ever since that, that hunt in 2016. Anything you'd add to that, Tom? Actually, uh, quite a bit. Uh, I've been a little facetious. <laughs> Seven years ago, on a really cold winter day, I sat down and I started looking at all the uh, regulations, all the point systems, just kind of going through you know, all the different states trying to figure out where I was going to make my bets. Some guys put in for points, you know, for certain units, for certain species in different states every year and stuff like that. I thought, you know, I kind of want to get to know an area. And I went through it all and uh, what the biologists are doing there and the governor, I'm sure some people, locals probably would disagree, but they're doing some really amazing work. They've got a wide variety of habitat. They've got a nice uh, mix of animals that can be pursued with a bow. And I just kind of said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go all in on Wyoming as my kind of go-to place to pile up points and, uh, and start hunting. So, you know, when that pronghorn hunt came up in 2016, I think I already had three, four points, something like that, five points maybe, uh, for elk and moose and a few other things. So, uh, I'd say somebody kind of getting into it right now, you probably want to go through, right? So when I made my choice, that was seven years ago and a lot of things have changed with point systems and scope creep and, or uh, point creep and, and all these other things. So, um, you know, maybe where you want to be putting your effort is, uh, Colorado, Utah, Oregon, whatever. But, um, that was how I kind of got going on Wyoming. And then that pronghorn hunt was a, a real catalyst for me. Well, and I, I'll be honest, I guess I kind of leaned on, on you a little bit as far as making that decision the first year where to go. But 
I again, I just I fell in love with Wyoming. The good part is for you, Nick. We're um, Tom and I are definitely learning the hard lessons. So when you do get around to go, it's <laughs> it's definitely going to be a lot easier for you, I think. But uh, well, did, now now my other question was. Did you guys, so is this the first time you've ever actually backpacked it? Like did the whole backcountry thing? Tom? So I was quite startled when I realized that, yes, I have hunted all over and I have backpacked all over and I've never put the two together before this trip. And it, it hit me sideways. I, I had, It's like I never realized, oh no, I, I haven't actually done that at the same time, but... Uh, so yeah, it was, it was my first, uh, backcountry hunt. Pretty cool. And I would say it was technically, it was my first backcountry hunt the way we went about it. I've definitely hunted some areas that would be considered backcountry in the East. Um, but not to this, not to the scale that this hunt was. And I will say personally, I think I learned a lot about myself, uh, on that hunt. Um, and we'll probably get into some of that depending on some of your questions, but, um, some of the things that I was really the most, I won't say worried about the most apprehensive about ended up being no big deal at all. Things like navigation, just, I was blown away at, uh, I'm sure you could get lost out there and I know people do. And maybe, you know, the area we was in, we were in helped that out. But when you're used to navigating in the East, in my humble opinion, navigating in the West is a lot easier. Just because the sure is it just, I mean, what makes it easier? So you've hunted, you've hunted, well, you've hunted in Michigan. Michigan isn't that much different, but you've hunted here in, in Georgia. And, you know, you, in most places, especially when you're in, when you're hunting, when you're in the woods, you would have a hard time seeing further than a few hundred yards at best. So, you know, as far as sight navigation and keeping your bearings, you've really got to, you've got to pay a lot more attention. You've got to, you know, know where a stream, where some kind of handrail is that you know you can find, whether it's a road or a, a stream or uh, an old fence line, something that when you find it, you know where you're at and which way you need to go to get back to an area that you know how to navigate back to your vehicle or whatever. And out west, it was... And Tom and I did this quite often. We, I mean, you had you had a specific mountain that you, no matter where you were at, you you could find it, and then you you had a general uh, idea of which which direction you were facing and how you would need to navigate to get back to where you had you know uh, left your gear or or the camp or whatever. It was just completely different. Yeah, it was all the pictures you guys posted. I kept thinking, uh, especially the one there where I think it's Tom out in the distance. Uh, I was, it looked like Frodo Baggins, like marching to Mordor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, Thanks. I was I like, think. there's this, like, I'm like, wow, there's nothing out there. <laughs> I, I, that, that would be really weird for me. Um, and because that was that was my first thought when you guys were going out in there to do that, I'm like, I don't know how I would feel, you know, having just just being that far off the trail because you guys were like eight miles off the trailhead, right? Uh, no, not well. I think the furthest point we ever got from like uh, a, a vehicle or or where you was probably, I don't know, Tom. It was probably over. Still, devil was over six miles, but it was probably pushing six and a half so seven. Six. I don't 
think it was over seven. No, I don't either. Because I think that's when you hit the next drainage. So, yeah, probably yeah, six. I'd say six yeah. and a half. Round it off. So did you see anybody out there the whole time, or was it just you guys? <laughs> um, I'll take this part. So when we were back in that area, um, okay, I thought I had to check my notes. I think it was the first night. Uh, two guys came through on horseback uh, going in with a, a camp, and they were bear hunting with rifles. And they told us that there were two bow hunters back there with uh, elk tags. And so we knew there was four other human beings, you know, within several square miles of where we were. And the following day we were out glassing and there was a big basin back behind us. And uh, there was a cowboy on a horse and he was absolutely the most unsocial person <laughs> I've ever met this is true. in the woods. So, I mean, you could see him like, I saw his hat at probably a mile. At least. Breaking over the horizon. That was a pretty good spot, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, was, it was, it, I, I would guarantee it was over a mile. It was a long ways. Yeah. So, watched him come closer and closer and closer and closer. And I'm like, okay, well, guy's riding his horse over. Maybe it's a outfitter offering to, you know, give us pack services if we get an elk or something, you know. And so I stand up, I start walking toward him, just kind of stretching my legs a little bit. And as I walk toward him, he keeps veering more off to the side. <laughs> and he passed, I don't know, 70 yards, just close enough to like hear like a good morning. He, and then yep, he like, he did wave, walks off. Yeah, I, I actually heard the words "good morning." Oh, did you? I didn't hear that. I saw him what? Yeah, because I, I, I said, you know, hey, good morning. And he's like, morning. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then it was a hard peel away. Like, oh no, I'm not talking to human beings back here. Was, so I assume he was. I assume he was an outfitter, or a guide, or something. I assumed that we were in his honey hole, and he really didn't want to. And it gets us. even stranger than that because we had walked out again, like Tom said, 70, 80 yards. And he swung wide to miss us and then rides right through where we were glassing. Our tripods were still set up and he rides right through that. And we're like, you know, what would he have done if we'd kept sitting there? So, but uh, yeah, it was really strange. That was about the weirdest thing I've ever seen in the backcountry. I mean, at least you want to like, Hey, how you doing? You know, what are you hunting? What are you hunting? Like, even if you're not going to tell anybody, you know, anybody the truth, at least you like, if there's trouble, right. where should we go look for you? You know, I mean, I think there's some amount of backcountry etiquette. That's just kind of surprised that guy was off doing his own thing. So are you are you sure you didn't run into Curly from City Slickers? No, it wasn't Curly. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Palins or whatever is the actor. Although we did, we did end up finding several abandoned mine shafts. Really? Yeah, that's sure. that's... Much further into the end of the week, though, so we'll, we'll get well, there. Let's talk, well, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the country, though. Let's, let's, I mean, I'm so used to hunting, you know, in uh, basically hilly timber areas, you know, in farms and stuff like that. So hunting places so open or, or in the mountains or whatever, is, that'd be really different for me. Um, I mean, what is different? I mean, what, what? what tactics and stuff, what, what changes like the way you move, you know, getting the cover, you know, what, what, you know, can you elaborate on any of that? Tom, you want me to take it or you want to? I'll say one thing and then I'll let you like okay. run with it. 
the first thing you're going to notice is there's so much amazing fresh air and there's no oxygen in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very true. You know, I know if you, uh, I'm sure if you, if you lived out there, it would be kind of like, you know, if you live at the, at the beach or whatever you get, you know, you get accustomed to it. It's not special, but there was in in the course of a week, there was not one day that went by that I just didn't have to stop at some point and, and just absorb the, the view. I mean, it was just gorgeous everywhere. Um, now what you have to understand as far as when you ask about what what the area looked like so we had tom and i had cyber scouted we had picked out the area that we wanted to hunt um i think tom you had talked to somebody and got a you know some general ideas about the area um at least how to find it on on google earth but um we hiked in four and a half miles roughly two thousand feet of elevation change now that was not from 5,000 to 7,000, it was really more like 6,000 to 7,500, but you went, you know, you were going up and down a little bit. It wasn't all just straight uphill, but, um, the, the area that we started out hunting in was a mix of, um, free range. I don't call it pasture, but it was open field. There wasn't any timber, but there was timber bordering it. Um, rock formations, um, water that was the one thing we did have water both both areas that we ended up hunting so we hiked into the first area and we spent we got our camp set up uh it was actually funny we we set up camp and later that evening i pulled up my gps because i i'd set several waypoints for like possible camp locations and uh, just as a freak of nature we ended up setting the camp up exactly on top of a waypoint that i'd set my gps for uh, possible camp number one. Uh, and it was a really, it was a beautiful camp. I mean, you just, the scenery was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the next morning we hiked up roughly, I don't know, Tom, what do you think? Half a mile, three quarters of a mile from camp. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and to the first right, point and started glassing. Um, basically where the, the cowboy came riding through. Oh, yeah, that second point was even farther than that, and we did gain 800 feet, 700 Something feet. Something like it was, that. It was, it was, yeah, pretty and good. F- ended up finding the, the camp where the uh, the elk hunters were, the four elk hunters were, were set up. was probably another two miles from our camp. But so we glassed all day. And you just had to see the country. I mean, it was it was prime what what I would have thought would have been prime habitat for mule deer and potentially elk. And we saw nothing. I mean, the only the only wildlife we saw, other than the cows and the the uh, horses that the people were ride, had ridden through camp and the cowboy was on, we saw one coyote walking in, and we managed to see a couple of sage grouse. Wow. Yeah. So. Long story short, after that full day of glassing, um, we spent maybe an hour, hour and a half, the last part of the first day, spending some time in the timber. And sign was everywhere. You, you'd, you'd had to see it. I mean, there was there was elk and deer feces everywhere. We saw um, uh, a lot of bones from harvested elk. 
but nothing fresh. There was not any fresh sign anywhere, and we covered a good bit of ground. So that night, we, Tom and I sat there eating our, our dinner and talking about <laughs> what we were going to do. And as much as we really, I mean, we were, our legs were still hurting from hiking in, but we made the decision that we didn't want to spend another day um, knowing that we, and we really didn't feel like we had anywhere else we could even start to look without a really long hike. And again, you just had to see the terrain. So we ended up deciding that we were going to hike pack up camp the next morning and spend the day relocating and that's what we did so we hiked our gear back out the next morning got in the goat hauler special 2.0 and we headed south west um deeper into the bighorns and and i will let tom tell you about the the area we spent the rest of the week hunting okay yeah i think i think the big thing was like we spent that whole day glassing and i, I can't remember if it was like 12 or 14 hours or what it was, it was but a long day. I mean, we, we gave, we gave <laughs> it a long, hard day behind the glass. And I mean, we were picking out, you know, woodpeckers at 800 yards and squirrels at 400. I mean, I saw that cowboy's hat on the horizon at a mile. I mean, we, I am sure there was nothing there and in different years, you know, have, friends that have been in the animals there uh you go to uh uh well, what's that um uh, service called uh go hunt you know mm -hmm. they the, one of those mapping things says like this is a primary game corridor like you kind of look at the, the the topo and you're like yeah there should definitely be stuff in here um i think the the you know one of the key takeaways for me was we were willing to give an honest assessment and know we were screwed and we were ready to make a change, right? Sometimes sticking it out is the, the right thing to do. Uh, I do not believe this is one of those times, right? I mean, we didn't have any deer scat that was not weeks old. So, uh, pack it up and go, um, relocate to an area that we had originally scouted out um, on maps, did online research, you know, all that stuff. Um, unfortunately, it's a very popular area for recreation. And the biggest mistake I think we made is we were there for uh, Labor Day. So when we relocated our camp, it was actually during La uh, Labor Day right. weekend. Oh, okay. And I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I remember one group alone, uh, the first four-wheeler that went by us, you know, he put up like four fingers, like there's four ATVs behind me. And, um, you know, like when you're you know, on a snowmobile trail or something. And then he turns his hand around and he says zero. It's like there's oh. 40 ATVs mm -hmm. behind me. And there was. And it was just like... <laughs> side by sides, four wheelers, um, two idiots in a minivan. Like there was just people everywhere. National Lampoons Hunt, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like so. It's like okay, we got to get away from here. So we broke off. Uh, oh, and the, and to go with it, right? 
the campgrounds were completely full. So I, there was this one campground. I'm like, okay, if we're not in the backcountry, we may as well car camp. We'll just, you know, drop the tent. We'll have a great base to work out of. Completely filled, right? Had been for months. I, all the reservation systems were done. I mean, there was no place to go. And so we started going closer to the hunting area, and we crossed a boundary as we're kind of getting closer to um, Cloud Peak Wilderness, where it said, okay, you can camp anywhere as long as it's more than a quarter mile away from any road. And so found a spot, pulled off, look. Uh, there's deer scat all over where we parked the car. Any place we looked, there was deer sign, fresh tracks, tracks in, you know, dry mud, uh, like dirt, like the, the from the night before. Uh, and we had also already seen multiple uh, mule deer and uh, moose. True. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was very comforting. So just throw the packs on one last time, right? So we did whatever. 12 miles over two days we put it on one last go to get it you know all the gear a quarter mile by gps off the road found an old uh cutover area and started setting up camp and i think we had a pretty nice camp set up before nightfall oh we had a great camp i mean we had a, a great camp set up um terrain was a good bit different than what we had left oh man like not the the giant you know vistas, but rolling, babbling rivers, green pines, blue skies, just beautiful. High though, we 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 we, we pitched out at what nine thousand ninety four hundred. Oof, not much oxygen. You know, I remember you. Uh, I remember you. Uh, Steve sending me a message that said, "Yeah, we're this far up," and I was like, "He's like, I got signal." <laughs> and I was like, but only for, and you were like only for a second, but, um, I mean, how, how did you guys, I guess, adjust to the climate that way? Like I remember going, uh, so I went, I've been out to Colorado before and oh, we did the, uh, we went out to Estes park and did the, the, some of the mountain trails up there and, and stuff like that. And I was just dying acclimating. I mean, just terrible. Um, and I know you guys did, a, you know, Steve, I know you did a lot of, you know, pack hiking and stuff like that but i mean with the oxygen difference had to i mean didn't it didn't it just kind of lay you to waste for a little bit well it I, and i can't speak for tom um i never did acclimate to the thin air uh you know the as far as the you know the working out and and rucking all summer with a weighted pack it definitely helped from a strength perspective but I mean, you would still get winded. Is it when you, with the with a full pack on, you would get winded pretty quickly if you were if you were going up any kind of grade, which was about eighty percent of the time. Um, <laughs> but I I never did feel like I acclimated to it. Did you, Tom? I, no, yeah. When I when I was in the army, when we do like big movements, you know, from you know northern hemisphere down to the equator or something like that, you know, they they tell you it takes a couple weeks to really settle in. Uh, when I moved out to Colorado for a year to do a big project, um, I was going to climb Pikes Peak. I gave myself three weeks before I even thought about it. It takes it takes some time to start to really um, get used to being at that altitude and with the, the difference in temperature. So, yeah, I don't think, you know, Eastern hunters running out for a, a seven-day hunt or a five-day hunt or something like that, I don't think you're really going to, 
you know, really get used to it. Uh, Steve, on the other hand, all your hiking and prep, I think, does go into how well you can deal with it. Um, it's kind of like when people go in for a, a scheduled surgery, right? They they want you to drop a little weight, get in shape, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It just if you're in good if, if if your body's in a good condition, it's going to adapt quicker. It's going to you know it's not going to hurt as much. Well, um, I didn't do any practice hikes. I just totally counted on mental toughness and fortitude and it sucked and <laughs> I got through it, but you know, looking like I, I wish I would have had the time to, to put more into well, it. And I'll, I'll be honest and I'm, I hope I don't embarrass you too much here, Tom, but, uh, the, the, so the, the day after we did this grueling four and a half mile hike with all this gear, um, I had my, Nick didn't check the gas tank moment with Tom. I don't think, I think it's the only time I won't say he didn't get, he didn't get, he wasn't mad at me, but you could tell he was a bit frustrated because the next morning I'm ready to hunt. (laughs) And I'd taken a few Motrin the the night before just for my legs. And, you know, we headed out of camp and I'm on a mission. And we, we, we were probably, I don't know what time, 45 minutes, 30 minutes. And I don't even remember what you said now, but it was basically, slow down, cowboy. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hit you in the back of the head with this bow. <laughs> well, and leaving up out of camp, I mean, the very first thing oh, you straight face up. is uh, straight up. You're going you're going straight up the mountain at that point. And, and, yeah. and it was still, so, you know, we were, we didn't have the tent. We didn't have the food. We didn't have all that, but we still both had, I don't know. We probably had 30, 30 pounds of gear more because I had my full oh, yeah. pack on. Had We had, you know, tripods and, and spotting scopes and binoculars and our bows and, you know, food for the day and water. And, and anyway, uh, yeah, I, I figured out real quick I was being a bit overzealous. So, <laughs> but, uh, so when we, I got you. I cut you off there, Tom, and went down a total different rabbit trail. So, explain um, explain the difference in the. I mean, we talked about the rivers, but as far as the how what the area we were hunting was, um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you the most striking difference is there were deer where we went to. There were. What threw me though is, you know, we had spent, I had spent so much time looking at Google Earth and topo maps for the area we were at and where we ended up. There were some, some open grass, grass areas, but nothing that it was just, it was the majority of where we were hunting now was timber. So, yeah, it was a lot of deep crevasses, a lot of dark timber, a lot of, a lot of tight stuff, you know, in a lot of ways it was kind of what, you know, you're more accustomed to just on a steeper angle. Which may mm. have been, and I'll admit it now, I mean, it was, I, I quickly reverted to my Eastern whitetail tactics and that may have been a, a detriment for us. I mean, we, we definitely started seeing deer right away. We didn't hunt at all the day we relocated. Um, the next morning... We struck out of camp and said, you know, we're just going to, we're going to still hunt together. And we weren't 30 minutes out of camp when we 
you know, we saw two does. We got fairly close to those two does. Um, then that afternoon, I basically, while we were eating uh, dinner that night or that evening, I said, you know what, looking at terrain, if we go back out to where we're parked, hike over to the other side, there's a couple of natural pinch points, and we both saw deer again. I mean, I had one at eight yards, but everything was does, and that would continue to repeat itself pretty much the rest of the week. And I, I think yep. I probably let myself get in a rut that I shouldn't have done, but lesson learned. I thought about that. You know, it's, it, it's tough when you're throwing Hail Marys to try to uh, get real you know, dynamic on the fly and come up with plans. Um, the fact that we, I mean, we didn't sleep through the first night because there were deer walking through camp blowing every night, you know, every, every hour. Uh, get up in the morning, bump a couple deer that night, you know, a few more. You had some at eight yards. I had some about the same. Um, and we... I mean, there and, were just deer everywhere. And we know there were bucks in the area. And we know we oh, know yeah. this because Tom strolled down 30 yards below camp and selected the the urine stump. Well, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, that's where we've relieved ourselves right and just about every night at some point in the night you would be awakened by deer pawing at that stump um huh. and it was pretty much ripped out of the ground by the time we left a week later <laughs> really it was, it was a it was a divot yeah. by the end of the <laughs> by the end of the week wow. i mean it was it was a crater yeah. and that one button buck wouldn't leave so yeah I mean, he was there every day yeah you want to tell it or you want me to? <laughs> Go ahead. So, Somebody better than So our, our, our meals, Tom had done, and we talked about this in, in the last episode, the, the gear episode, but Tom did really well on the meals and he had, he had dehydrated some, some different, uh, meats that we could make, rehydrate and mix into potatoes and so forth. And, um, one night we were sitting there talking about what we we're going to eat and we, we planned on fixing potatoes and, Tom said, well, how about we mix up some shrimp or some chicken or tuna uh, and rehydrate that to go out? Sure. So he gets out this dehydrated shredded chicken and he adds water to it and he puts it on the stove and he sits there and lets it cook. And I'm boiling water for the potatoes and the potatoes get ready. And I said, all right, Tom, the the water's boiling. We fix the potatoes. He said, okay, the chicken's ready. I'm going to step down here below camp and pour the water off so that you know, we're just adding the rehydrated chicken to the potatoes. So I was, okay. So he does, he goes down 20 yards or so and pours this broth off the chicken on the ground and comes back up, sits down and I mix it in the potatoes. We split that up and we're sitting there eating. And I mean, it hadn't been 10 minutes and I saw movement and I said, Tom is a deer coming through camp. Well, obviously we're hunting. So the first thing Tom does is pick up his bow <laughs> he didn't drop his food, but it it hit the it hit the dinner rock pretty quick, and he strolls down below camp. And this this deer comes right up through camp, walks right. And it was just a little button buck, so it wasn't anything we could shoot. But it walks right up and and spends the next five minutes. And I've got video of it on my phone. He he spends the next four or five minutes just licking the ground where Tom poured out the the chicken juice, and then walks right in front of Tom. He passed in front of Tom maybe at ten feet. Um, so, yeah, we were. Could 
couldn't have shot that one even if it was legal. I mean, it was. <laughs> it was like the camp pit. I mean, you just can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, you got no. you got you got bucks pawn at your urine, licking up your chicken juice. You got I mean, <laughs> but, but goes blowing at the court of the tent w- every waking night. Waking you up every but but nothing during the day. No, uh, can't eat, can't sleep, too many well, deer. Well, and I, again, you have to be careful what you're saying. Nothing. We did not have a single day. And Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but we did not have a single day that at least one of us did not have an a have a, a, a an encounter with an animal within longbow range. We just didn't have tags for them. True. You know, we I I don't. And Tom, you could probably I don't know if you've got your journal handy or if you even looked at it, but I want to say we were close to fifty deer by the end of the week that were within bow range between the two of us, but all does. Uh, on day, I don't know, it all runs together now, four, I think day four at the new location, um, we were actually doing some still hunting um, a little below the, the boundary for the Cloud Peak Wilderness. Tom and I were separated by, I don't know, 80, 100 yards, and it was real hard to get each other's attention, especially in camo, and a lot of times it was hard to even pick them out, pick each other out, but I caught movement. Um, tried to get Tom's attention, couldn't, couldn't find Tom. So I just started stalking. I got to within about 22, 23 yards of a bull elk that I didn't have a tag for. And I know without a doubt in my mind, if I'd had a tag, I could have, I could have shot that bull elk, but he finally, I don't know if he got wind of one of us or he didn't tear out of there. He just kind of looked like he got a little spooky and eased on up the mountain and then proceeded to bugle for the next two or three minutes, which was very cool. But, um, yeah, we. I mean, we. It wasn't like we weren't. We we didn't have opportunities. We just didn't have opportunities for anything we had a tag for. Yeah. So, and I mean, you stayed there the rest of the hunt, right? Uh, there is that, relative. That camp. Yeah, at that <laughs> camp because we were. But you stayed at that camp. Though. Yeah, we were driving out of the camp. You know, several miles to twice. Yeah, twice yeah, a day. to do different yeah. things. So, um, sure, sure. We did. We did. We did hunt out of camp a few mornings. And several evenings right. in different directions, and we did see deer every time we did that. But um, I think some of our best encounters were were several miles away, and we did we did drive to those other entrance points. But yeah, okay. So I mean, I mean, with all that activity, I don't think I would have wanted to. I mean, do you think you should have done something differently? Yes. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so so what is yeah. it? Well, and and so. We're we're actually planning on trying to get the um, the DNR biologist for that area on the show and and have a conversation with him and and I'm talking to a few other people that we may pull on the show and just say you know what what did we not necessarily what did we do wrong but what could we have done differently or what should we have done uh, better um, but I've already actually got a theory and you'd you'd have to see the area where we talked about there was a lot of timber. In most of the areas, you could follow the timber so far, and you would reach the timber line where everything above that was pretty much rock slide. Um, and I, I think we should have at least a day or two um, strapped our packs on, hiked up through that timber, and got on the upper the upper end and and spent the day glassing above the timber line. But you know that's just a theory. There's definitely no way to know if that would have produced or not. And my feeling is 
I don't. I think if the Bucks were above Timberline at that time, we would have seen them with all the classing that I, at least I was doing, right? Um, I don't know. I think we should have picked a point where we could have got even further away from people trails. You know, there's a lot of hiking trails in there, a lot of ATV trails. I think we should have, you know, gone, gone done over the, thing the mountain. Take the map and, yeah, over the mountain. Yeah. So, you, do you think do you think it's plausible that just a lot of the activity was at night because of all the traffic and they had just kind of patterned people that way, and you needed to go to a more secluded place then? Or, I think personally, I think the Bucks, yes. Um, I mean, the, the does, you have to understand, they have not been hunted in years um, because the, the area had a, a winter kill, as I understand it, several years back, and they haven't issued any doe tags for quite some time. So hmm. this generation of does, they, I've, got, I've got picture, I've actually got video of one doe that came to me and had to have walked within – I'm talking about during the day, had to walk within 15, 20 yards of a of an active camp where they were cooking. I've got video showing where the, the deer came from, and then I show that I pan back to it later, and you can see the smoke just billowing out of the campfire. Same area that the deer came from. So, you know, I think the does were just – they would tolerate you. If they, if they winded you, they would definitely go to blowing and carrying on, but they were pretty accustomed to people, I think, and they, they – they had a pretty big or pretty small buffer that they would allow people to get within, in my opinion, Tom. Well, and one thing I want to make sure, like you talk about that bull elk, right? Yeah, he was, he was young. He was a spike, right? But that, that was a wild animal and you still got close to that. We got close to other animals. I, I don't think they're just pushovers. Oh, definitely not. Um, but yeah, the, definitely the, the, there were campground deer, and then there were the other deer. Um, yeah, where we were camped, quarter mile off the road, no campground anywhere nearby. Um, the ones that in our camp, I just think, weren't used to humans. Uh, where I think when we were in the campground doing the fly fishing that one day, I think they were specifically used to humans and knowing they were safe there. I think there's a pretty big difference. Um as for where the bucks are, I I want to talk to a, bio, yeah, a biologist or some sort of yeah I want to talk to that biologist. Yeah, we need well, we do need to get that lined up. Sorry, Nick. There there's some. Well, no, you saw a lot of animals. You, you, it sounds like you had a you had a load of fun, and you've got you learned a lot, and now you're just more motivated to go back and do it again. So I mean. That it sounds like you guys had a blast, though. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and with the country and everything, I mean, yeah, that would have been all of that would have been would have just made it for me. Um, and you even did some fishing too, huh? I knew you were going to go there as soon as Tom said that. <laughs> I, I was going to say, let me jump in. I think I think it was the perfect trip once we got kind of our little, you know, uh, schedule figured out. Like, get up in the morning. You know, hunt up until like noonish, come back out, and then one person would grab the uh, the water filter and start like you know filtering water, and the other guy'd grab the fly rod, 
you know, hour or so of fly fishing. Uh, one day I threw a hammock up between a couple trees over the creek and just sat there and listened to the the, 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 the babble of the creek. And I fished for three hours. Cut. <laughs> okay, it was, it, it was more than a little while. It's a nice nap, though. Uh, but yeah, you'd be hooking fish left and right and having a ball and, you know, and then go back, have a nice, you know, heavy dinner, something to keep you warm, and then suit up and go back out and hunt till dark. Well, I've always I, I, I love the 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 cadence of it all. It's a you know, just yeah. a beautiful way to spend a hunt. Well, you know, I always used to read about the whole the combo thing, you know, with going out and hunting and fishing and doing both and kind of just, you know, and that's that's kind of the dream now, you know, being able to do either one and uh you know, I really want to go out west and hunt hunt some of those streams and stuff. That's what were you guys mainly catching then? Yes. Um, rain. <laughs> the only thing we did not catch that I really wanted to get one on was uh, cutthroat, but we caught rainbow browns and brooks. I was going to say I've always wanted that cutthroat's definitely on my list. Um, and uh, so were you? Did you eat anything? Or you mean as far as the fish? Yeah, as far mm, as the fish go. No, we we didn't. We we pretty much released them all. Um, couple things i'm gonna throw out based on what tom said so one i'll i'll make tom a little envious again by the way tom i picked up a, a msr water pump just like yours brand new for 40 bucks um mm. so we've got two of those now um the other thing nick you you were talking about the you know the trip and so forth and i'll echo what tom said everything i i wouldn't i don't think i'd change anything because you know, even though we didn't we didn't have the success we were looking for as far as hunting, everything else more than made up for it. Um, and you have to take into consideration everything that I think we learned on that hunt as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I will say that I learned is, and I told Tom this, I waited until the day we were driving down off the mountain, I think, but I will not hunt an area again that I don't have at least a buck and a doe tag. Um, that was probably the most frustrating thing for me was just knowing that, you know, we're seeing animals and there's nothing I can do about it. So, you know, I think sure. when we go back, I will try to convince Tom to let's, let's select a unit where we can actually get, you know, a buck and a doe tag at a minimum, if not a, a an elk tag or something, just so we've got more options. Oh, and I will make sure we carry two fly rods next time. well well, i definitely know plenty about how frustrating it is to be hunting and not having a tag for something that you've had an opportunity to shoot so i I emphasize really (laughs) (laughs) i emphasize with you there i think somebody Uh, tried to talk you into buying that tag too didn't they yeah i know i mean well at least you guys have i mean you got the excuse where you couldn't buy the tag I kept on thinking, why did that? Well, I was going to get and I was going to give you hell, too, because I was like, why did he buy the doe tag? He was getting cheap, wasn't he? You know, or whatever. And you know, no, you said you couldn't. And I was like, well, that sucks. You know, you're out there. You've got you're seeing stuff that you don't have tags for. That's definitely that kind of a frustrating thing. No, we bought we bought everything we could accept. We could have gotten cow elk tags. And we for both Tom and I were so busy with work, we forgot and miss the deadline but yeah. we didn't see a we didn't see a cow elk so mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't well, matter yeah you weren't you weren't hunting for it so right. yeah um but no it sounds it sounds awesome and uh 
Yeah, it's definitely on my it's definitely on my list. Even more so now that I got into fly fishing, it's on my list because I all that's out there, and wow. I've got the bug. I mean, it's going to be a while, but you know, it, it it's something to look forward to though, and I'm I'm happy about that. And yeah, you guys will be so, seasoned by that time, so you know. <laughs> do, one, do you get all your- one thing I'd say, you you look at all the great fishing rivers. And they don't typically overlay exactly with the best hunting land. Right. Yeah. So, you know, with us, yeah, we caught a lot of fish, but it was a lot of small fish. So, you know, running off, what do we, what do we take? Was that three weight? Yes. Yep. Three weight. That's right. Oh, pushing that in the wind sucked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, we'll just load up for the the trout available because it was you know primarily a hunting trip oh totally Um, and uh, i'm honestly okay with little fish though i have i have a lot of fun i just like to be in the in the water with the rod and if i've got action i'm i'm okay with that i catch a lot of little trout i mean i haven't i haven't gotten anything big yet where i have a you know preference but i really do like catching little trout on a light rod too so it just all that together plus hanging out that just sounds great, um, but yeah, and, and I haven't even been out west in a long time. I, I can't even remember when we did. I think it was like two thousand three or four we went out west. So it's been it's been a long time, and I haven't really seen anything like that. Any country like out there like that? Just just the Estes Park area and places around there, around Denver and whatnot. So nothing like that, but you guys have been at Tom. You just got back from a bear hunt, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Um, September was pretty busy for me. Yeah. Do we want to switch gears into that and and talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so got back from Wyoming and I think I literally like finally got the last of my gear clean stowed put away folded just in time to throw it back in the truck and uh head off to bear camp i'll be honest i i I had a great hunt and i'm still kind of processing it a little bit and i might not i might not be real talkative about all the uh the philosophical aspects of it just (laughs) yet um i'll tell you the funniest thing was I'm in bear camp and I'm, I'm chatting with two other guys, uh, longbow bear hunting fellas. And one of them read Georgia boo boo one night (laughs) and one of them read it the next. So they were both reading the book. They both just got their copies and they were both giving me a bunch of flack about it. Uh, Well, I've got, I've got a story related to Georgia boo boo. So, yeah, really? we'll come back around. Yeah, you guys have you guys have both had a lot of activities. Uh, where were you hunting, Tom? So, okay, not to be super cryptic, but um, a friend of mine gave me an invitation, and it was contingent on me not really talking much about it, where exactly I was and what I was doing and so forth. Um, totally up and up legal. Um, met up with the conservation officer and all that stuff. Um, but can you give a general area? I mean, like really general. Yeah. That's all I'm looking for. It's Michigan. Okay. Okay. 
Well, see, that's yeah. different. I've than been like... putting in for points for five years, and uh, we put in for a party application, and we drew, and um, yeah, just giving it a try, and uh, yeah, so you know, in 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 conventional terms, I was successful. I, I had a, a, a amazing encounter uh, very early in the trip. Uh, with a male bear and sometime later I took my shot Nick as you mentioned it's been really wet um, had my bow all dialed in and my string tracker on and um, could be the shortest recovery of my entire bow hunting experience um, yeah, it was, man, it was really personal, though. It was very close, and it was over very quick, and which is good. And uh, so I had a fantastic hunt. Um, like I said, I'm still I'm still working through it, you know, emotionally, philosophically. I mean, it, I never planned on hunting bear, and <sighs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. I was gonna say I just don't know. Because Boo Boo, you know, that you mentioned it, um, a, a lot of that, like that, that, that whole, the whole frame of that story was kind of like my struggle with bear hunting and how I didn't know if I even wanted to do it before I had that encounter and uh, how I would ever feel about it. And then we had that big, long conversation on the way to see Steve in the car about it. Yep. And it's funny that you, you, were, you guys were reading those, those stories in camp on your bear hunt. Um, yeah. So we'll definitely have to hear about the kind of the, the ebb and flow of how all that happened. And, and I hope you get it down on paper and we could read about it. That would be, uh, that'd be great. Maybe, maybe someday. Someday. The, yeah. the, the, the funny, the funniest one was uh, one of the guys was literally in his stand reading that story at the moment I shot the bear. Really? Very cool. Yeah. Down to the minute. We were talking about it later, and uh, I was right right up toward till dark, and it was just getting to the point where he couldn't read. And, yeah. See, this, this has been the biggest trip for me, that people are reading this, you know, the stuff that I'm, I've written. My, my, basically, my just small personal little stories that aren't really anything big or major or impressive. Um by most standards from what I've read and uh, you know, people are writing about going to, you know, Africa and the mountains and stuff like that. And mine are pretty much, you know, there's, there's smaller encounters, regular everyday hunter encounters. And, uh, but they're reading them while they're on their own hunts, making their own memories and then drawing, drawing comparisons. And that's been the biggest thrill for me and the biggest compliment thus far is that all these hunters who are now reading them during hunting season, I, I just never imagined that would happen, honestly. So, so the interesting thing to me, you know, you, you talk about your experiences in, you know, Michigan or limited to a few species or just, you know, the United States. The big thing is you never know what encounter is going to touch you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go far and wide chasing things that, you know, oh, absolutely, aren't aren't as impactful. And then, I mean, 
Steve, when we saw those grouse run, <laughs> I mean, we could both look at each other and, and you know, just a couple couple birds on the prairie, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's like you got that game on moment where you have a connection and you're like. Almost like an armadillo ran out in the road. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we're going to have some stories to tell. Someday. Oh, I, I'm going to be writing that one up. I've already decided. That's that's happening. But yes, I, I, I'm already writing my version. It's very different than yours. Because you didn't I, see the crazed, bloodthirsty look in your eye. That's why. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off, Steve. No, I was just going to say I, I I do know what you what you mean. And that even that has to have a little bit more context to understand that. Tom and I at that point had hiked probably three and a half, maybe three and three quarter miles with all this gear, 150 pounds of gear on our back. We had decided we were going to go, we were going to cross this little creek and go up through these cottonwoods and look. We wanted to get up to the next little ridge and look over as far as for a, a camping area. And we're already just, I mean, we're both, we're beat. We're, it's nothing but sheer will pushing us on at this point. And the fact that neither one of us wants to be the one that says, all right, I've had enough. Um, 40 hours into the day. Y- yes. With this, this was 40 hours with no sleep. And, or it was rough. I think we had an hour of sleep at a rest area, but it didn't really count anyway. And these two, these two sage grouse run out and it's just like, you know, your adrenaline starts pumping over us, over a grouse. I mean, it just completely reinvigorated me, so I know exactly what you mean, Tom. And then we realized it wasn't season, and we couldn't shoot them. Oh, yeah! Again, <laughs> no, <laughs> everything was against us. So, well, if it wasn't season, you wouldn't have seen them. Probably <laughs> that's, that's the, true. That's the way that works. Um, but so, Steve, you you've had some bear encounters. You want to you want to yeah. care, care share any of that? Well, so yeah, and I I think Tom, you and I talked about one of them a little bit uh, last week. Um, yeah, we did. Yep. So our season actually opened. Our our deer and bear season coincide, and they opened the Saturday that Tom and I were driving back from Wyoming. Um, get back, and it's been it's just been brutally hot. So I have been doing some hunting. I wouldn't say I've been doing a lot, just because some family things and and again just horrible weather but i have managed to get out a few times um i've had one broadside buck at eight yards that i decided to pass on nice little six point but uh, i think that was like my second time out and i know there's some really nice deer in the area so i just watched him and let him walk um but we don't the area that i've been hunting the most there's no white oaks producing acorns um, it appears that they abandoned their mass crop during the summer for whatever reason, because during scouting, I know there were acorns on some of these trees and now there's, there's just none, they're gone. So the, the bears are really having to move a lot, um, to make up for that lack of food. The, the white oaks is kind of their, their favorite food in this area. Um, so I had the one bear encounter with, when I was hunting with Crispin that, uh, Passed by at 20, roughly 20 yards, was moving. I tried to lead him, hit a hit a two-inch maple I never even saw. Center punched it. And it was it was probably it was just a it was a beautiful shot. You just I was just sitting there watching the air and knowing it was going right where it needed to be until I, I heard wood splitting. Um 
Then last weekend, um, I hunted the same WMA, had a few close encounters with, with whitetails that morning, and was texting with our, our other friend, Brandon Gravett. Um, he had not been out with me, and, and he said, you know, asked me if I was hunting on Sunday. And I said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out and go. He said, all right, I'm going to go with you. I said, okay. So I set my clock for 4 a.m., I almost didn't even get up that morning, but I went ahead and got up. I'd already told Brandon I'd be there. So I, I headed back up to our, my, the spot that I'd been hunting with Crispin was where I was planning to hunt. And it's one of these locations. It's a fairly small track and we never, it's gated right all the way to the road. And I, I don't think I've ever run into another hunter uh, on this little track of land. And I pulled in, there was a truck sitting there and the person wasn't there and I thought, well, you know what? I could get out and I could go ahead and move in here. You know, it's public land, but I've got other places I can hunt. I don't know where the guy's at. I don't want to mess up his hunt. So I backed back out and just started driving. I thought, well, where can I go? And there was a few places that I have not hunted in several years on the same WMA, but on the largest track of this WMA. And it's actually the same track that um, you guys have hunted on um, with me. So I'm driving along and I'm thinking, I thought, you know, if nobody's parked at the area that Tom, Nick and I hunted a few years back, that's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to park and I'm going to walk in there. So this was the location of the Georgia boo boo incident. It was also, uh, the location of the, uh, loudest, longest sigh that's ever been heard in the North Georgia mountains at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so I start hiking in. I didn't really know where I was going to set up. I was just going to go to like, it felt right. I passed by the crab apple grove where the sigh took place. There was... I shined my light around. There was no, there was no crab apples left. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna keep moving. So I keep going in. I get to the spot where you had the little ground blind, Nick, where the bear came in on you that morning. Um, still just didn't feel right. So I kept going and, and kept going straight past where you were at that morning. And that, that little ridge that you're kind of walking on comes down to a point. I don't know, a few hundred yards past where you were at, Nick. Um, yeah. yeah. I get past that that grove of those that uh, if you remember those olive trees that the the bear ran through when he left you and tried to run over me. I get to mm-hmm. the the far end of that, and I'm hearing a lot of acorns fall. Um, and I just give a quick glance around with my headlamp and saw several you know oaks there, and neither were dropping. And I thought, you know what, this is as good as any. I picked out a tree that I thought would give me some good cover, and up the tree I went. And because I'd got such an early start, it's still pitch black dark, and I get settled in. It gets lighter. Obviously, I don't have I don't have Tom's problem. I've, I've accepted and dealt with all this, so I can tell his story it, in great detail. Uh, so <laughs> it gets light, and I realize that I'm I'm a little bit higher than I would typically like to be. I'm probably about 25 feet or so up in this tree. I've got really no cover whatsoever, other than a few little limbs around the tree acorns are still falling and i I remember i sent brandon a text and and i won't say verbatim you can figure out because we keep the podcast clean but this the text read (laughs) 
I stand about as much chance of growing a third arm out my butt as seeing anything where I'm at. And you can fill in the, the language as, as you see fit. <laughs> um, put my phone back up and I'm just sitting there kind of watching and I caught movement. And lo and behold, here comes another bear. And this one is a really nice size bear and it is coming. It's like it's on a string walking right to me. So I go ahead and I get into a standing position. The bear comes up, offers the shot. I take the shot. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's perfect. Um, it was a quartering shot. Bear tore out, um, rolling, growling, goes about 40 yards, stops for a second. I almost got another error off and then it, it kept going. Um, I normally wouldn't take a 40 yard shot, but on a, uh, an animal I know I've hit well, I was going to send a follow-up and it proceeded. And Nick, you'll remember this. You remember when you were hunting there, you could hear the, the river that was down below, right? Yes. Um, it, that's the direction it's heading. So I sit back down, try to get my heart rate back down. I look over and I can see my arrow complete pass through. Um, I can see blood everywhere at the point where the, the arrow hit and I start following the trail, and I've just, I mean, I've got a massive blood trail. And I saw, I sent te- Brandon a text and said, I've got a bear. I'm going to need some help. Um, and he said, I'm on my way. So I said, I'm going to sit here 30 minutes, um, which is, you know, the general rule everybody always tells you, sit 30 minutes. Um, and then I'll get down and collect my gear. So I did, collected my gear. Um took my sticks and stand down with me, packed everything up. And then I walked over and inspect my arrow. And again, it's just, I've seen a lot of animals bleed. This animal bled a lot. And I, you know, I don't want to be too graphic, but it, it was just in my mind, it was, there was no chance that I wasn't going to find this bear. The only thing that was bothering me is I had not heard the moan. Mm-hmm. So, I pick up the trail and just start following it. Um, Brandon shows up. We continue following this trail, and it's it's not like it's hard to follow. The biggest mistake I may have made was waiting to 30 minutes to pick up the trail. And, well, the bear ran pretty much straight to the edge of that drop-off down to the river, I've got pictures of it with being Brandon halfway down. He went, I don't know if he ran off of that embankment or if he tried to climb down it and was so weak he lost his footing, but he went down a straight 200-foot drop right into a river that is probably six to eight feet deep. We've, we bet once, by the time Brandon and I got down there, it would probably been close to two hours. Um, we've followed blood all the way to the water and we spent the next several hours going up and down stream trying to find if he came out um and i'm thoroughly convinced that he floated down that river and nothing we could i mean there was nothing else we could do i mean we Mm -hmm. oh man um yeah and I, I was just sick. I mean, it, you know, bears here, you can't bait them. Um, 
they're they're tough the only thing i can think is because of the extra elevation that i had maybe i only got one lung um i i just don't know i mean and i'll never know um i called uh jerry russell and talked to him about it a little bit you know he and he said you know i wished you'd call me i'd love to brought the dog but he said if the bear never came out of the river it wouldn't have mattered and you know, he yep. if he had died in the river, he would have just floated. So it was just one of those, you know, you got to be Steve to have the kind of luck that I have sometimes, I guess, because it's just not something I would have ever dreamed of. And I don't know that if I had climbed down right away, if I could have got down there quicker and possibly found him if he was still in the water and recovered him or not, I'll never know. But that's just, that's kind of haunting me in the back of my mind is because it took me so long to get down there. Yeah, he. There's no telling how far he went. I mean, yeah, and that. And that oh man, that, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that and that bank. You sent uh, me pictures. The blood was just as you said. I mean, crazy, and the bank was super steep. It was. Like, and luckily, my wife doesn't listen to this, so I can say this. <laughs> I told I told Brandon about halfway down that if he ever repeated to my wife, you know, what we were doing going down this embankment. Um, that I would, I would just unfriend him in real life. I mean, it, <laughs> it was, we were having to, so I had, I had the bow where we found more than one bare bed on the way down this thing. One under a, an oak lap and one was actually up in a rock. Cause we were looking into everything. Cause you know, we didn't know if at some point we were going to be face to face with this bear. Um, we're having to hand the bow back and forth till somebody can get footing. Um, you're, you're constantly hold, holding on to, you know, one inch diameter trees and, and mountain laurel to keep from just plummeting down this thing. Uh, I mean, it was, it was sketchy. It was a lot more dangerous than climbing a tree with sticks without a, a safety tether. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll say that in a heartbeat. Um, and then once we get down in this thing and we, we had to, to get back out, you there was no way you were going back up, um, and there were several places where the river actually cut into the rock, so you had to actually climb straight up rock face 15, 20 feet, and then work your way over and come back down that to continue up or down the river. I mean, it was it was sketchy stuff. I'm not kidding you. Well, and that's what I thought when I first saw the, how steep that was. I was like, well, how in the heck are they going to get out of there? I mean, because it, it looked like a big... And, you know, plus it's not like it was all, I mean, if, if it was moist at all, I mean, you just slide right back down into the river. I mean, well, And that picture it, that I sent you was roughly a third of the way down. Yeah, that's that's nuts. And so I, I, you're probably right on in your assessment that, you know, with the damage that you had done to that thing going down that hill and then with the, a seven, eight foot river. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, and yeah, what can you do then? I mean, that's just, yeah, dog or not, you know. But yeah, I I, I feel real bad for you, man. And and uh, you know, and I was gonna I was gonna make fun of you and rip on you for the uh, having destiny snatched out of out of your hands by a sapling, because now you know how it feels. And then you had to double down with the bear story, and now I can't. Actually, no, I, I I don't know how it feels, Nick, because there is no way in hell anybody's finding that tree to make a trophy out of it. So, um, I don't know how you feel, but I'll take your word for it. 
<laughs> oh man, oh. I felt bad for you for that one too, though. I was like that. That, but man, man, you're really seeing some bears, though. Like I remember the last time we we talked about, you know, you'd seen them on some cameras and stuff like that. But and when you did see them, you know, they'd be passing through or something. But you're really you've had some encounters and some shots and stuff this year. And it feels like it's getting, I mean, I don't know if you're just in the right areas for bear now. I mean, I do remember scouting that area with you and there was scat everywhere. There, there's uh, a, there's a lot of bears there, but again, it's the, it's the food situation. They're just, they're having them, they're having to move more. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen three bear now, um, all large legal. I mean, they, they were nice sized boars and every one of them's just, they're moving through the woods with a purpose, just eating red oak acorns as fast as they can. Well, and that fir- that first bear, um, that looked big. I mean, that looked like a big bear on camera. You should have seen um, this one. I know that sounds I was gonna like say, the one you that said, got away, but yeah, you, you, you said you said this one was bigger. Yeah, that's that's great. That's 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 a decent bear. Uh, sorry, Tom, I keep cutting you off, man. No, I was just thinking to myself. So, Steve, is that the first shot you've taken at a bear? This would have been the third shot that I've taken at a bear. The first shot was um, on the the WMA that you, me, and Nick hunted the last time you guys were here together. Um, that was a that's just a weird scenario too. That that bear came up behind me. I was in a tree stand that was pitching backwards towards the tree, and the only way that I could position myself to try to get a shot was to get down on my knees on this platform to shoot behind me and it never even entered my mind when i did that i couldn't bend at the waist or i'd have fell out of the tree because the stand was leaning so when i drew to adjust for the the angle i lowered my bow arm which just threw my i shot low i shot right up under it um the second one was the maple that i hit a couple of weeks ago and then this was the third one that i've shot at Okay. Yep. Oh man, that's a heartbreaker. It, yeah, it in more ways than one. Um, in fact, I didn't, I didn't hunt for a week after that. I just, I did, I had no desire to even get back in the woods. Um, yeah. Just made me sick. But you know, I know, I know these things happen. I know they're going to happen. And usually, I can. I'm pretty, and you guys know this, you've been around me long enough. When things go wrong, I'm usually pretty hard on myself. Uh, you know, I should have done this. I should have done that. I shouldn't have shot it all, whatever that may be. And this one, other than if the stand had been a little bit lower, it might've made, you know, enough difference that he wouldn't have made it to that, to that river. Cause it wasn't like he traveled that far, but I, you know, I don't know that uh, other than that, I, I don't know that I would do anything differently if it, if it happened the same way tomorrow. It's just, I think it was just a fluke thing. So. Yeah. And, and even if you would have taken to it 30 minutes wow. earlier, man, or not, not waited as long. I mean, what could you have even done though? I mean, if it was, if it was hell bent to get down to that water or if it, you know, mm. was delirious and just ran down that, I mean, what, <laughs> you weren't barreling after it. Oh, if I just, if, if he had been in the water, yes, I would have barreled after him in a heartbeat. If, if I, cause if he had been in the water, he would have been expired and just, you know, floating down the river. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have, I would have dove in that water in a heartbeat, but 
you know, like I said, it was it was a good two hours by the time we got down to the water. So. Oh yeah, it took you that long to navigate down there, huh? Well, forty five minutes, forty five minutes to pick up the trail, fifteen, ten to fifteen minutes maybe to, you know, chat with Brandon because I again I I thought we were gonna just go get the bear and you know by the time we get to the edge of that drop off it had probably been close to an hour and it it took a good hour to get down it i mean it was and again it it was it was partially because it was just so steep um we were having to you know figure out how we were going to navigate down the safest manner um and two you know you you just had to see it there were so many pockets and and crevices a bear could have been anywhere um especially a wounded bear and you didn't you know you you didn't want him to see you before you saw him kind of thing well and and that's the whole thing i mean you got a wounded bear you know you don't really know where it went i mean in that kind of country i mean i don't know i mean yeah you don't just like no one's going to fault you for waiting 30 minutes for going <laughs> try to go look for a for a wounded bear. I mean, we're all taught you don't push things. Well, and that's you know it, that's the thing with me is I have to force myself to do it because I want to get down and go. You know. I, oh I, yeah, same here. So it, it's it's the longest 30 minutes you'll ever sit in the woods, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. so I here's what here's what I got to say, Steve. So by the book, he did the right thing, right? Got a good shot, got a good blood trail. You track it out to the uh, the creek. That's a bad sign. I mean, it goes down that steep of it of a embankment, right? Unless there's a log jam right there, or it's a very shallow creek. Because, I mean, if it's that steep on one side, it's probably that steep on the other, and it's probably not getting back up out of it. Actually, the other side was not, believe it or not. Um, Really? No, the other side was, in fact, 40, 50 yards of of creekside on the other side was fairly shallow and sandy. But there was no sign that the bear ever made it over there. All right. So, for the listeners... Steve and I didn't talk about either of our hunts before this, so it's kind of all new to me. So a lot of lot of lot of parallels here. So my bear was, I was low in the tree. Good angle, good shot distance. I was comfortable with it. Shot it. Arrow went through. Ran about twenty yards, and he was uncomfortably close to the me when he turns out he died but the last thing he did is he tried to stand up and he lost his his knees and rolled over and slid down an embankment into a creek wow and i just sat there and i put my thumb and forefinger uh my 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 glove hand uh, down in the crease of the forefinger on the string tracker and all I could do is just sit there and wait to see if it felt like the river washing him downstream mm-hmm. or him running. Because I lost view of him as he went down the, it was a it was steep, not nearly as far, but it was a steep angle. But I never saw him come back out. And I made, I made myself wait three hours. 
Oh, wow. So, that would have been just brutal. Oh, I can't even imagine. So the three of us in camp, we had our procedure. We knew when, when we were going to meet up and where. And I told everybody what happened with me and everybody else, you know, kind of told their story. We didn't have any other shots that night. So went and ate dinner and uh, picked up the, the track and crew and the game cart and all that stuff. But yeah, it was three hours before we went back out there. And the last thing I did is in the string tracker, I tied a knot right at, so I took the string tracker off my bow, I strapped it to a tree, I tied a knot right at the end of the string tracker. And I told myself, if I get there and that knot is still right there, this is going to be the shortest track ever. Hmm. And if that knot isn't right there, this is probably all bad. Showed up, not was there, walked right to him, 20 yards, right? No big deal. Nice. Um, we were back in the truck with the bear loaded up in under an hour, dressed out. I mean, it was a picture-perfect scenario, but it's so close. I mean, you look at everything I went through, and the parallels are so close. I don't know how you could do anything different. I've, I've, I've beat myself up now for two weeks trying to figure that out. So, uh, and I don't have the answer yet. Again, I think, you know, what that's telling me is, I don't know. I don't know what I would do different. You know, going back, and I don't think we talked about this on an episode, but, um, couple hogs ago i shot one uh quartering shot arrow went straight through uh fell over dead like a 40 yard recovery when i started skinning it out there was a second arrow hole through it and it was also a quartering away shot that was taken now i i knew the guy that had been hunting in that spot two weeks before right and so i i called him um, actually I called his dad and I'm like, what direction was it facing this, that? So there was a hog and it was almost a perfect X through the vitals, right? Mm -hmm. One went through and killed it in 40 yards. The other one went through and it was still alive two weeks later. Sometimes I think there's a pretty small margin when it comes to the animal's lungs fully inflated? Are they not? Um, you know, are you an inch high and then on an angle that's not helpful? You know, I sometimes this this can just be. It's amazing to know how how effective this tackle can be, and that at other times it can you can lose an animal that you you think you've got. In the bag. In the bag. Yep. Yeah. Man, that's a that's a high emotion season for you, and it's only just barely October. Yep, and and uh still hoping still hoping for some some more positive excitement. Um you know, Nick's gonna be heading down here in about three weeks now. Mm-hmm. So got several stands set up and ready to ready to go for for us, for him mostly, but uh, for us, and I may actually have a, 
I don't know if I'll be ready to use it yet, but I may have a, a new toy by the time you get here, Nick. Um, really? Yeah, I ordered. In fact, I just ordered it yesterday. I sold my lone wolf climber, um, and I, I ordered a, a Manis saddle. I'm really I'm, you a saddle, huh? I'm done. Huh. I, I mean, I'm still going to keep my my hang on stands, and I'll still use them. But for some of the two mile plus in and out hikes that I'm doing, I'm I'm done carrying forty pounds of gear. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people, so yeah, I've got a I've got a saddle on order. I don't know if I'll I don't know if I'll definitely not know if I'll get it before you get here. I don't know if I'll get it in time to actually use it this season, but it it will definitely get a lot of use next year. And I won't have to worry about carrying a a stand when we go back to Wyoming. I'll have a saddle that I can just throw in my pack that weighs sixteen ounces. I've always wanted to try one wow. of those. Those look awesome. Definitely different. I'll let you know. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's, guys. A of, that's a lot of hums over there, Tom. <laughs> he, he, he wants so to. I, go ahead. I, I know some guys that hunt them. Uh, looked at them for years. Um, so in Michigan, our, our first ever uh, Michigan chapter of BHA, don't call it the rendezvous event. Uh, John Eberhardt showed up mm-hmm. and he brought a couple of his, his saddle setups and I'll admit it was, it was interesting to me. Um, yeah, I'll be interesting. I'll be interested to know what you think of it. Mm. I, like I said, I thought about it an awful lot and being able to ditch the safety harness and, and my stand loosely loose term there, my stand be my safety harness and, I don't know. I'm excited about it. There's certain things about it that I'm a little apprehensive about, not necessarily from a, a, a safety perspective, but really more about uh, maneuvering for shot opportunities. So really? we'll see. Um, Usually one of the things people are most excited about is the ability to kind of like wrap all the way around a tree and keep that tree between you and the animal and cover to draw i've you know and i've heard that too and all i can tell you is i've seen way too many of these public land whitetails here catch you turning your nose i mean it's just the turning my head and being busted and having to maneuver around a tree to get a shot and not being busted we'll see Uh, like i said I'm i'm a little skeptical but i figure worst case is I've gotten I've gotten good enough at setting my stand so that I can typically predict which side I'm gonna even get a shot out of, so I can shoot out of a stand with a seventy pound longbow if I need to. I'm pretty sure at most time I'll be able to set up to where I I won't have to do that to get a shot. So we'll we'll see. I think you're gonna love it. Okay. I, I hope do. I do. <laughs> I think you're gonna love it and you're not gonna want to use a stand again after you use it. Well, you know, this year I have not um normally i would have been using my climber usually i use my climber a lot early season because you know i don't have to worry so much about cover because there's so many leaves on the trees around a a tree without any leaves or limbs that i can climb and i've really devoted to just using my hang-ons and my my hawk sticks and i'll be honest i can't see myself going back to using a climber so i figured you know what sell the climber and get the saddle and then i'll have both options if i if i want it We'll see how it goes. 
Well, guys, I swore I was not going to let this one get to be be two hours. So, Tom, any anything you'd like to to throw out or recap on that we we haven't touched on between what's going on so far in 2018? No, I think that does a pretty good job covering the early season. I I think the only thing that uh, I think is you know 30 episodes in, we still haven't talked about a few really important stories, especially about uh armadillos so <laughs> hopefully we can get back together and and do another one sometime soon we will we'll we'll make it happen we'll we'll make it happen nick how Definitely. about you getting together and talking again absolutely no i mean <laughs> have you got anything else to, to to say to wrap up no i don't got anything else to say to wrap up man i'm i'm looking forward to getting back into the woods and i'll be visiting you shortly very shortly it'll be here before we know it well, guys, I really do appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got to get all three of us, our schedules worked out so we could do this. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I wish both of you great success for the rest of the season. Nick, I'll see you fairly soon, and Tom, I know we'll be talking again real soon, too. Yep, good luck. Good luck, guys. Take Sounds care, guys. Good, good luck. Have, yep. have a good night. Bye.